Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Nick Ogertsoff, who is the executive chairman of Luca and sits on several boards. Nick, you try to retire a few times, and you went to college at the age of 14. So you are successful in many areas in life, but we're looking forward to hearing from you. So welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here. And of course, I have to ask, what do you think? are some of the reasons for your great success in so many different areas. I doesn't honestly doesn't feel like it. I, I was just doing the thing that needs to be doing day in and day out. And then someone else might call it successful, but it really doesn't feel like this from, from the side. It's just doing what needs to be done every day. That's about it. Yeah. So a lot of people look for the silver bullet on what the magic formula is and right stuff. You are gifted though, in many different ways. How important do you think it was that you're pretty smart? Did you ever have mentors? Were your parents in business? How did you know to do all these things the way you did? Yeah. I've been very fortunate to to grow up in a very supportive environment. And I, I learned sciences and, and other things like that at an early age and went to college at a young age. But at the end, it, you know, of course, it helps to have good training and good background and, and have training in scientific thinking is a helpful thing. But my experience has been that you have to work really hard. You have to you have to be smart, that helps, but you have to work really hard and, and you have to be in the right place at the right time. And there's an awful lot of chance and luck involved. But I also found that the harder you work, the luckier you get. The, 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 the harder you work and more you're concentrating on, on achieving your goals, the more likely it is that you'll encounter chances that look like chances that tend to go your way more often than not. So, but it's a combination of all those things. It's, it's a, it truly is a combination of, of hard work and some yeah. of the background that was helpful and conducive in, in building these habits. So, but you really need, need all of that. Yes. And Nick, how much do you need a vision of why you're doing all this? You could have been a scientist. Why did you choose business? I honestly have, I was about to say, I have no idea, but that's not quite true. It's more like it felt like the right thing at the right time. Like it was a very strange thing. I was in a PhD program learning to be a scientist essentially. And, and one day I got a call from a friend of the family to, to interview at a bank. And I said, I know nothing about banks. And he said, well, why don't you come talk to us anyway? And and I just loved it. I, I love the atmosphere. I love the people. I thought everyone was super smart. I've never experienced this energy of a trading floor before. And it was just like, it just felt felt right. So they, they when they offered me a job, I, I I didn't have to think about it. I just like that. That's perfect. Let's do that. Even though at the time I knew practically nothing about finance. And, and so I ended up a, a trader at a bank trading derivatives as a complete career change, like literally three days from interviewing and knowing nothing about banking. And before that, I was training to be a scientist. So it was just one of those things. But at the time, it felt exactly perfect. Yeah. And that's fascinating because usually scientists are risk averse. And yet you did that. And then I happen to know from our mutual friend that you also have raced Ferraris. And that's not exactly a risk averse sport. So how much well, appetite do you have to have uh, for risk? Well, you know, it doesn't feel like that at all. Mm. If you know what you're doing, racing cars does not feel risky at all. I mean, obviously it is less safe than sitting in a, in a chair at home, but not by much if you know what you're doing. At least that's how it feels from the side. I mean, it, like anything else, it's a lot of training, a lot of practice, a lot of thought, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. And when you put all these things together, something magical happens, but it really doesn't feel risky in any way whatsoever. And the facts justified in the sense 
sense of it's not just like, it's not a misconception. I mean, I have spun out many times, but that's part of the learning experience. The end result in an actual race, that just doesn't happen. That's not a, not a thing. Mm -hmm. So even though that particular race was on purpose set up, the specific one you, you're thinking about from a mutual friend, it was actually set up on purpose to start at the end of the day when the sun was setting and the second half of the race was in complete pitch blackness. So, so there is, there's definitely like, it was really fun. It was actually one of the funnest races I've ever had because when the sun fully set and there's a couple of these fast corners when you're going at 150 miles an hour, turning into pitch blackness at, at, at full speed and just trusting that you've been practicing all day, the racetrack is going to be there, but you can't see it. It was a really fascinating experience. It was one of the, one of the most fun races of my life. Well, I think it's important to have fun given how hard you work too. And so but you've had all these successes and to you, it do the right thing and work hard. And what about your struggles? Did you have any struggles as you were progressing in your career in terms of you were very young, succeeded very fast. How was your experiencing leading people and how did you figure out that formula, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. I, I ended up ended up on, on Wall Street as a trader at age of 19. By 21, I was co-hating at Trading Desk. By 23, I got to build one of the first high-frequency trading businesses on Wall Street. And by 24, we were already quite successful. And so I, I became a managing director at, uh, at the largest bank in Switzerland at the age of 24. So yeah, it was, it was quite young. It never really something I dwelled much on. I just, again, I, I just try to do the right thing and try to solve problems as they as they came. And 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 that's kind of all there is to it. I was very fortunate to have a very good boss and, and my mentor. And and to, to many years later, we're still still good friends and, and still value his thoughts and in tremendously. But I, I was very fortunate to have a really good role model. But other than that, yeah, I just kept kept solving problems and doing the right thing as best as I saw how. And, and it seems to be to have been a good formula. Yeah. So would you say you had any surprises managing people? People are fascinating. They're always surprises. Yes. People's motivations and and how things unfold, especially under stress and pressure. I mean, honestly, they, they constantly surprise me, but not necessarily in a, in, in a negative way. Like very often you get surprised in an extremely positive way as well. Sometimes there's disappointments, but more often in my experience, people surprise you positively. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a fascinating journey, but I, I do find people really, really interesting and, and fascinating. So again, it sounds like you just were born and everything went perfectly. A new leader who's starting off and maybe struggling with how to lead people, because as you said, this people can be very surprising. Do you have any tips regarding what to look for when you hire someone? And it looks like your company, Luca, is currently hiring, or you have several job openings. So what recommendations do you have, or what would you say not to do? Yeah. Well, first of all, like I, it may look like everything was perfect. Like I'm sure that's not really how it happened. I, I was merely, merely pointing out that from, from this side, it just it was just a lot of focus on doing the right thing day in and day out and, and working really, really hard. And, and then there's, you can make an external observation from the outside of whether that looked successful or not successful. I'm just saying from this side, it just didn't, that, that wasn't a thought process at all. It was just, just concentrating on, on doing the right thing every day. And that, that's about it. But, but to, to answer your question on hiring, I tend to concentrate on the human element first and foremost. Like, of course, a candidate has to be qualified, obviously. So you look at the resume and make sure that they, they meet the obvious technical requirements. That's the easy part. Like, the to me, most of the interview, like 99% of it, honestly, once you glance at the resume, you can see the obviously qualified. And, and you ask a few questions to make sure that, like, the depth of knowledge is the right relevant depth of knowledge for the job at hand. But but to me, most of the interview really is about trying to understand the person and to see if that's if that's the person as a person, not as a not as a sort of 
technical skills, but as a person, is that a is that a person that that I could trust? Is that a person that when when the situation is stressful or something's happening, is that a person that yeah that ultimately I, I could trust? And and is it going to be the right person, the right place, at the right time for that for that role? So to me, most of it is about understanding the person, like almost all of it. And the technical stuff is a, an obvious prerequisite that you just check the box on. Yeah, and you also said something important, which is the right time, the right position, the right person. Right now, you could argue we're still in a time of crisis. People are working remotely. Any adjustments there that you see that a leader needs to keep into consideration given the remote environment and the changes that are happening? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think people are people, and I whether you're you're working remotely or in the office, it doesn't change the person. So to me, that's that's a relatively minor consideration. But I actually do want to come back to something real quick, since I do think it's really important. As a manager, as a somebody who who's responsible for leading a team, I always thought my job more than anything was to make sure we have the right people at the right place doing the right thing. And also the flip side of this though, sometimes you make a mistake, of course, like mistakes happen. And then your job is to make sure that that's fixed immediately. And it's really important to not let, if somebody's not the right person for that job or, and it doesn't make them a bad person, whatever, they just might not be the right the right person at the right time for that specific role. It is your your role as a leader to make sure that that is addressed immediately, like and not let that hang on because everybody makes mistakes sometimes. And and so it doesn't mean you fire them or something like that immediately. Like that's not what I'm, where I'm going with this. What I'm saying though is, is what you can't do is you can't leave the person in the wrong place doing the wrong doing something that's not the right person for that situation for that team. So either find them in something else, some other role, or discuss with them openly and figure out some some other path forward. But don't just let it keep going. I think that's a really, really important part of leadership. And how did you learn that? I'm not not sure how exactly, but it, it just seems like it seemed really important for team cohesion. Because if you have five people on your team and a six person is creating a, a dissonance that's just disrupting that, that teamwork, it's so obvious that you need to address this immediately. But I also, to my surprise, see people not doing that and, and letting things linger that it's, it's clearly not not ideal. And for whatever reason, maybe it's hard for them emotionally to confront the person or, or for whatever reasons. But like, I, I do see this as a, a as a relatively frequent problem for younger managers. And it's really important. Like if, if you make a mistake, own up for it and, and, and deal with it. Boy, I think that's a, that's a good way to start to wrap up the show because you're right. There's a lot of challenges that come along with not letting someone be in a spot that's right for them, so to speak. Yeah, and exactly. And to be clear, also just want to say this is, it's not even a bad thing for the person too, because they probably know that they're not, not exactly in the right place either. So addressing that, it's not like you're doing something to them. It, it's almost certainly better for them to be in, in a situation they're more suited for. It. It's, it, it's, it is a win-win. It's not like a negative thing for them either. Like don't approach, approach the right way. I just want to be clear about this. This is not like, this is not a negative. For them. Yeah. And in your career, had you made a hiring mistake? Plenty of them. God knows. Who, who doesn't? <laughs> okay. And so what did you do better after a couple of those? I, I just, as I get older, I just, I just tend to concentrate more on understanding the person. Yeah. And just, just, just really trying to get a really good sense of the person as a person, like I said, rather than details of technical stuff, I always find it much, much easier to teach somebody something technical, like what, what's the dividend for a stock or whatever, versus are they going to be a good team player? Do they do they know how to deal with stress? Do they know how to constructively deal with challenges or, or difficult personalities like a client or whatever? Like so, all these sort of things are so much harder to teach than not impossible, but so much harder to teach than some technical thing, some technical skill that that's required for the job. So it's, that's the thing I tend to concentrate mostly these days. 
I think that's been a huge contribution to share that because a lot of leaders, when they first hire, they they focus on the technical skills and, and then later on find out how important the other one is. So thanks for sharing that. And as we wrap up, it's interesting that you're now, well, I think you were co-CEO at first and now you're executive chairman of Luca and blockchain is a fairly new, I guess, thing for a lot of my clients. So what what's the takeaway for, for leaders in terms of the future? What, what should they consider? Because I think that might be a blind spot for a lot of leaders. What's the impact or what's the importance of where we're heading? Yeah, let me just say a few words about, about blockchain and because it, it is a very relevant topic for the future. And the way I would explain this is very simple is, is the world and economy and everything is getting more and more digital every day. I, I think that's not a hard thing to I don't get a lot of arguments saying things are getting more and more digital. Well, as things are getting more and more digital, so does the commerce, the, the very fabric of commerce, how payments happen, how contracts are done, and literally the fabric of commerce, how back office, middle office processes happen. Blockchain and digital assets have a huge role to play in that. It's just naturally more efficient way of doing certain things. Not everything, but certain things. And blockchain itself is a really big invention that is truly something new in human experience that didn't exist before, that is doesn't solve all the problems, but it certainly does certain things much better than we could before. And, and so as business evolves and becomes more and more digital, there's going to be a whole transformation, we believe, in that process of change, adopting certain digital assets and certain digital ways of payments and certain digital ways of doing contracts with way more automation than before that will fundamentally impact how commerce is done on this planet. It's going to take time, of course, years and decades. But that process to me seems as as clear as that digital is, is here to stay. So probably not going back to analog phone days anytime soon. So, I mean, it's just one of those natural processes and I'm happy to talk about it in more detail if you like. But but yeah, I think it's 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 a really big part of the future. Very good. Well, I still think you're one of the best at, at simplifying that whole process because you and I talked about it a little bit. So if someone wants to know more, they go to luca.tech. And then I think we will have you back on the show in the future as, as all pleasure. this evolves. So thank you again for taking the time for being on the show and for being willing to share. Uh, yeah, of course. It would be my, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much.